Hello everyone, this is Josue from Empathy Cafe, where everybody's got a story that can change your heart. We are streaming live from a Starbucks location in Canada. You will hear background sounds like the espresso machine and customers ordering drinks. And that's, that's exactly the atmosphere we are looking for here, having real conversations with real people at the coffee shop. Today's guest is my good friend, Nikki Foster. <laughs> I'm so excited. Being the strong and determined woman that she is, Nicole completed her school and graduated while raising a young child. Along with her son Cormac, the two became season two contestants on the Amazing Race Canada TV reality show, where the mother and son capture the hearts of fans across the country and the world. Even though they did not win the grand prize, they won people's hearts worldwide with a never-give-up spirit, demonstrating great determination to finish what they started, inspiring others to dream in color and never give up on the life journey is a passion that Nicole shares with audiences everywhere. This is One on One Live with Nicole Foster. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Josue. I've been looking forward to this woman since like for weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> me too, actually. It's made me relive a lot of things in my, in my recent history, and so it's been nice going down memory lane. Very good. You know, Nicole, I still remember you eating a snake. <laughs> In one of the episodes of Amazing Race Canada, I was sitting at a restaurant with friends and you, we were, you were re-watching the episode, but for us it was the first time. I'm eating pizza and you are eating a snake. Where do you get the courage to do such thing? And most importantly, do you ever have dreams about that event? Oh, yes. Uh, do I still have dreams about that event? Absolutely. I, 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 it haunts me sometimes, you know, even anytime I see a snake on TV now, um, people ask me, you remember, how did that taste? How did it taste? <laughs> um, how did I get the courage to do that? You know, it was living in the moment. It was the fact that Cormac and I um, were there together and I knew I had to just do what I had to do and eating a snake was part of it. And it was an experience I will never forget what it tasted like. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it wasn't horrible. I was to do it again, but it wasn't horrible. The texture was pretty gross, but it tasted like chicken noodle soup with a little that bit of a spongy right. texture. Oh. And people ask me all the time, was it cut up in the soup? Could you tell it was a snake? Oh, no, you could tell it was a snake in the soup. Why? Well, it, was, it, it, had the, it had the snake. It, I mean, maybe it was just a gardener snake. I have no idea. I didn't ask. But it looks like a snake in the soup. So it, you were like slurping it down. Like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have eaten grasshoppers. Ooh. Live. Oh, that's with a crunch. <laughs> yes, with a crunch. And one of, one of the times, the grasshopper, it was a small one. It actually jumped inside my mouth. Oh. 
And I did that in front of an audience of teenagers. Um, but still, I don't know if I could eat as many. <laughs> I think it's the grasshopper's worse. I don't like the crunch. At least the snake had no sound. <laughs> okay, Nicole, I'm going to just go digging with the questions. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. All right. So you were a teenager when you when you had your first son. Is that right? Yeah. And you still completed your schooling and graduated while raising a young child. You never give up, even as a single mom. You know, I, I've always had that philosophy of never giving up from being a young child. Um, I've always been adventurous, like to try things and, you know, push myself through and just not give up on anything that I try. And so when I had my first son and I was in school, I, um, I just persevered and I knew that I had to just push through and not give up on what my dreams were, that having this change in my life was not the end of my life. It was just a change and it was just going to put me on a different course, but that I still want to pursue my dreams and not give up. I mean, I credit the fact that my son Cormac is as smart as he is. He's an engineer now because I would read my university textbooks to him to try to put him to sleep. And you know what? It never worked. He never would fall asleep. And so he would, he would stay up all night. He was one of those kids who stayed up all night the first years of his life. And I would read my textbooks to him, hoping it was boring. It'll put him to sleep and he would stay awake. So I kind of, I, I joke with him and I say, you need to credit me reading my textbooks <laughs> to, that made you smart as you are. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's, and I, and I just hope that I, you know, inspire him and others to just never give up and persevere through any. What? What did that do to your relationship with your child? You know, uh, we have, it's kind of like for the longest time was me and him against the world and yeah. working together. It really drew us close together. Um, I believe that, and he tells me, you know, he, he has always felt he could share anything with you, with me. We have a very open and honest relationship, uh, a friendship where I can call him on things that he's doing, but he equally calls me on things too. Uh. And he's one of the most wonderful, like, every world. Um, and it's like integrity and I, and makes me very proud and be, we have a, a really good communication, our relationship. Um, we've been, you know, mistaken for years as like, are we siblings? You know, <laughs> people have always been like, when, when he, they hear him call me mom, you know, they take a second look and like, what? <laughs> um, but we really, we really have a friendship. And I feel that we've had that friendship from the time he was probably, you know, just starting his teenage years. We really developed a friendship where we could share and especially him share with me what's what's in his heart and that I feel continues today. And, and, and you could, you could see that friendship on the show or the TV show and how you related to each other. You were treating each other with respect, um, encouraging each other. It, it was, it was very nice to see it. And that was about, um, nine years ago, nine years ago already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes mama bear would come out. So like you have to like help bring the claws out sometimes if I saw something happening I wasn't happy with with the other teens or whatever. But yes, um we we really have a respectful relationship. Yeah. What was it like uh, being 
having to do. I mean, reality show, there is not a, there is not a, a script and you have cameras around, you have the producers behind your neck, and you have yourself there, and were you able to to focus on on, on, on that friendship with your with your son without the stress that uh, was going around and your neck? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, yeah, you do have you have your own camera and mic team with you. You do have production around you all the time, and you're in the midst of doing crazy challenges. Yeah. And then I'm there with my son. So other teens had their partners with them. Uh, you know, sibling, I'm there with my son where I'm trying to, every minute of my life, I'm trying to always inspire, be a good role model, etc. And to balance the, the stress of doing the challenges with Cormac there, I have to say we equally were able to keep each other calm. We, we were able to, you know, support one another and I mean, thinking, I mean, keeping in mind, he was 19 at the time. And so I Keep saw him. Yes, I saw him. He was the age I was when I was pregnant with him. Okay. When we were on the show. And so I felt like on the show, over the duration of the time we were there, I saw him become like a man. Huh. Because there were instances where I was trying to parent him as we were doing a challenge or navigating our way. And he would say, no, mom, this is what we're doing. Or mom, give me your backpack. I'm running with both backpacks. You just run. I just, I saw him become like an adult. And that was really cool to see. And me being able to step back and allow that to happen, that development to happen was really neat. What an experience. And that yeah. happening live. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With all the cameras around and, you know. No, no second takes. <laughs> no, there's no second takes. And so, you know, you're constantly, I'm constantly thinking, you know, like there's a protective mala bear that comes out, but there's also the, oh, wait a minute. I see him becoming an adult. And then that friendship that plays in there as well. And so it was one of the best experiences of my life. Absolutely. So when, when you were all the contestants in the second season of Amazing Race Canada. Um, the final show, that was amazing. Like, can you describe what happened? The one where you go in circles with a mountain bike and then have to use a rifle. Can you, yeah. can, can, can you walk us through that episode? Sure. So what some people don't realize about the show is there's these roadblocks that come up and you can only do so many. Each partner can only do so many. So at that point, Cormac had done more of the roadblocks than I had done. Okay. So when we opened the the clue that gives a little description, they give like a couple words and it said, who has a steady hand? Well, let me just tell you, in that moment, I had a pause because in our household, the joke always is, I'm shaky. I don't have oh. a hand that Cormac should be a surgeon because his hands are so steady. But because of the game, the show itself, mm -hmm. and we knew that I hadn't done yet as many roadblocks as Cormac, it was just like, okay, I've got to do this one, regardless mm -hmm. of what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So the challenge itself was to ride a one kilometer track on a mountain bike with snow tires. Unfortunately, you know, we can't control the weather. There was no snow on the ground. So we weren't actually 
on snow with these snow tires. It was a rugged trait, which it's very hard to ride on snow tires with a rugged trait. Yes. So we had to ride one kilometer around, come back, settle yourself, and take a rifle, like what they use in the biathlon, and shoot five targets. And so I thought, oh, I can do this. You know, the physical challenge of the riding, I ride all the time, not not a concern. Mm -hmm. The the track, I'll tell you, was up a, a very steep slope at the very beginning. So most of us were pushing the bikes up that slope. Uh -huh. Um and I went around the first time, but I missed all the targets. No big deal. Every Lots of people were missing targets. Um, even one of the teams who eventually ended up winning, who are hunters, he missed the targets many, many times as well. So I thought, oh, I'm doing okay. I, you know, okay. He's, he's missing the targets. I missed the targets. Not a big deal. So no stressed out yet. Not yet. And then after about five times around, and I still haven't hit one target, I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm missing something. I'm not getting this. Then you start seeing teens leave because they've got their target. So they start leaving and eventually it's Cormac and I and one other team left there. The hunters who still haven't hunters. hit their targets. And I'm thinking, I don't know that we're getting out of this. So it wasn't until like my 16th time around. 16th time. How many legs? They were dead. They were dead, but I wasn't going to give up. Every time I had to push the bike up that slope at the very beginning, I wasn't going to give up. I said, I cannot give up and show Cormac what I've been trying to teach him all these years about never giving up, always persevering. I cannot stop now. So it wasn't until my 16th time around that I finally got the first target. The first out of five. Um, at this point, we were the only ones there. And in fact, it was so long that one of the producers fell asleep because we could hear the sound. And we looked around and we're like, I said, is somebody snoring? Sure enough, one of the producers had fallen asleep and started snoring because we were there so long. We were there for uh -huh. hours. My goodness. And, you know... Cormac had said to me at one point, Mom, you need to stop. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I didn't bring us out here to give up. Mm -hmm. We can, we can't give up. I'm getting this done. They'll have to come and take me off this track, but we are getting this done. And he just said, okay, Mom, go, you can do this. And he was such a good cheerleader. Um, I can tell you that when I finally, after over three hours, <laughs> got the five um, targets, the emotional came out. Uh -huh. I, I was, I was less exhausted physically than I was just the emotional feeling of number one, again, I'm there with my child versus other people who are there with their partners or their siblings. And I, in that moment thought I just let him down. Mm. We've been watching this show since he was nine years old. From the time he was nine years old, he said to me, Mom, can we go on that show? And I said, oh, yeah, we can go on that show. I mean, let's really? get on this show, yeah. And to now be on the show, our dream is coming true. And I'm the one who has failed, who has let us down. And this is where, again, I saw Cormac become an adult. So we finish at the challenge. I'm in tears. I'm apologizing. 
Cormac's like, mom, let's go. It's not over till it's over. And I thought, oh, he's got my message. That is true. It's not over till it's over. We, the next thing we had to do was traverse this trail with a canoe. Cormac gave me his bag and he said, I've got this mom. He literally picked up the canoe by himself on his shoulders, traversed it to the water, the Yukon River. We got on the, in the canoe and paddle and I'm crying. Productions in their own boat following us. And Cormac says to me, mom, look around. We're paddling on the Yukon River. Look at this. And I just had to sit up straight. And enjoy say, the moment. Yes, enjoy this. And we ran to the mats. We were eliminated. Um, but it was, a, it was such a surreal moment because not only did I see Cormac grow, I, I heard him express models that I have been, had been saying to him his whole life about finish what we start, don't give up. And also just his great support of me and saying, mom, it's okay. We were on the Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> Something I wanted to do from the time I was nine years old and we're here because you said we would be here. And I thought, well, this was all worth it. And that kept you going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You know, never giving up truly has been a motto of mine my entire life. And to be able to share that with, you know, not only Cormac, but with friends. And then when we were doing speaking engagements all around to be able to share that with others and, and it really hitting other people in their spirit. I just felt, you know, this was all worth it. All worth it. We, we didn't win the prize, but we won so much more. Yes, yes, you did. Mm -hmm. how, how does it feel to talk about this? Oh, after it's those? funny because yeah. it brings me, anytime we talk about it, it brings me right back to the moment. It brings me back to the moment where we found out we were on the show, to that first leg, to our final leg. Like yeah. all of the moments, it just, I can get super emotional about it, I will yeah. say. You're giving that, me the goosebumps that, myself. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? Ever since being on it, it's hard for us to watch the show. We watch it with a different feeling because we literally feel what's going on mm -hmm. versus just being voyeurs. We actually feel the emotion of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's been an episode I've watched since we were on it nine years ago, but I haven't cried. Oh. I get emotional when there's something, when you, there's an elimination, I get emotional when there's a challenge that's hard. You know what it's it like, like, yeah, we've been there and it's, it's so much more than just a show. It, it's it's an experience that stays with you forever. And, and when you finished the show, you went on and did a speaking engagements. Can you tell us about that? What did you do? Yeah. So right after the show, we found you know we became I become this hashtag Canada's mom, uh, which I did not expect. You, you you know, you go on this show thinking, I'm there to compete. I'm there for the challenges. Like, this is a dream of mine. And then you you make an impact that you didn't expect. And so we got this hashtag, Canada's mom. And I started getting people reaching out to me on Twitter saying, would you come and speak with our group? Would you come to our school and speak to our students? Would you come to, you know, this event? Um, we spoke to divi school divisions of teachers and different mentors. And like we were at different organizations such as, you know, the nurses union and different groups around Manitoba. 
sharing the never give up story about perseverance in your life, whatever that is, and stepping outside your comfort zone and be able to be willing to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Being willing to say, you know what? I don't have to be perfect at something. I can try it and not give up in trying at it. Yeah. You know, and how does that translate into our everyday? I had a lady that said to me, I, I'm going to try something new. You've inspired me to try something I've never been camping. I want to go camping with my kids. They always want to go camping. I always tell them, no, and I'm going to go camping. And you know what? She did. She did it. I thought, well, she have inspired someone to do something that they would normally not have done just from hearing our message. That, that really hit home with me. It really brought joy to me. Um, and to be able to just say, you know, this is, this is not just about a show and what it can do for you. This is about our life and how we move through life exactly. and, and never giving up. Exactly. And then seeing the reaction of people and how they, they are touched by your story and by what you're saying. And it's, it's, it's not the same thing to study a subject and then teach about it than to actually tell yours. Yes. But you have experienced. Yeah, the experience, right, is that other dimension you bring to life, you bring to your that, story, the, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny, I'll, I'll just relay this um, small story. We were in Toronto for some of the um, promotion. And, okay. you know, our episode had aired and we were walking by the CN Tower and there was a huge line of people to get into the CN Tower. We literally could only walk two or three steps before people were stopping us and saying, oh, you're from the Amazing Race. And I was proud of We didn't expect this. And it, there were teams from Ontario on our season. And you know that everybody that kept stopping us in Toronto said, we've wanted you guys to win so bad. And we we're like, what about the Ontario teams? They said, no, you showed the never give up spirit from the beginning to the end. And we were rooting for you. And that just like touched my heart. You, you, you won people's hearts. You may not have won the prize, but you won mm -hmm. people's hearts. Yeah. yeah and, and we didn't expect that. We were just going on the show for an adventure. And so what we got out of it was so much more than what we expected. Was it challenging or for lack of a better word, to go back to civilian life? after the rush of those few weeks what was it like you know it's interesting because after you're eliminated you go away for like a week they 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 set you up in a very nice setting for like a week and all expenses paid and and whatnot to kind of recover and i thought well this is great but like why like why do we need to do this after we were eliminated i got the why i, I understood why we had to do that it literally felt that we were coming down off of being on a drug. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know what withdrawals are like, but I feel like that I, that I experience withdrawals. You are on such an adrenaline rush. You're like at this for weeks. Every day, you, your adrenaline is just going and you are uh, pushing your body and your mind. And, and then all of a sudden, there's nothing. And we, so what we found ourselves doing is while we were on our little hiatus, finding things to challenge ourselves. We ran up this portion of this mountain 
to see like how fast can we get up this mountain. Uh, but we were doing we were doing all these challenges that we were coming up with each other uh, just to to feel that rush again. I would say it took me almost a whole year to really put everything in perspective and to feel normal again that I wasn't seeking out you know this adrenaline rush um and that I was I was okay with just being back in my life it probably took me almost a year wow yeah it's a life-changing event especially like you know I'm very I'm very competitive (laughs) and so (laughs) you know to be on this I was giving my all yes you were and so it, it it felt like when we got back, like life, life was boring and it didn't like, what are we going to do now? And so we kept finding things to do. And let me tell you like that, that next year, we did a lot of crazy things just to find that rush again. Um, but I, I would do it again. I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was worth it. I've known you for about 10 years now. And something that always comes to mind when I think about you is that you are a strong woman. Mm. Do you ever get tired for being a strong, Nikki? Yeah, you know, that's a a question that I actually did some soul searching over the last few years about. Uh, just different things going on in my life. And I I had to realize that yeah, I have felt like I've had to be the strong person my entire life. There, you know, through your your experiences growing up and then teenage years and then, you know, having a child at a young age and I've had to be that strong person. And just over the last, I'd say at least two years, I have come to the realization that I do get tired of being strong. Mm-hmm. I've learned that when people see you as a strong person, they think that you're made out of armor and that that you don't crack, that you don't have bad days and sad days. And if you do, you just get right back up and go again and no big deal. Like you're not impacted by the challenges that you go through. And I recently said to someone, because they had said to me, oh, you're so strong. Nothing ever seems to face you. Nothing ever bothers you. And I said, you know what? But I do hurt. Yes, Things do. do bother me. I I feel pain. I I cry in moments of weakness. Of what I have thought was weakness. I've since mm-hmm. changed that. But I I I do have chinks in my armor and I I am human and I don't want to always be strong uh-huh. I want a soft place to land where I can let it all go yes I will get back up again because I don't give up uh-huh. but I've allowed myself over the last couple of years to understand what that means uh-huh. and to 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 tell people, no, today I'm not strong. Today's a hard day for me. Um, and that's, it's been hard to get to that because I've always, from the time I was a kid, I've always been known as the strong person who doesn't let anything bother me. 
and I don't know, don't know why. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's because I can wear, I can wear, you know, the mask well. Um, it's which is just a coping mechanism. It is. Yeah, and I, but I've I've come to to accept and to share that. No, there. It's okay. There is strength in vulnerability. There is strength in letting it out in having those moments where you need to to cry, to stream, to you know, to be with yourself in a way that allows you to just breathe. But you I, thought, sorry, if I interrupted. No, go ahead. Earlier, you say that. It, you used to think that crying was a weakness. Mm -hmm. Let me pick you back on that. It's not a weakness to cry. It's not a weakness to crash. Not at all. I think there is strength in being able to allow yourself to take off the mask and to say, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And, you know, I had an experience at church, actually, and, you know, we're in these settings where people will say, Oh, Audrey, you, how was your week? And I tested it. I thought one day I had a really bad week. And somebody who knows me very well, in fact, I grew up with this person, and they said, How was your week? I said, Actually, it was really bad. I had a hard, hard week. Oh, that's great. And they kept on going. And I that's thought, it, it hurt. And I thought, do we listen to each other? Or is the expectation that Nikki's always okay? Mm -hmm. And so I don't even hear when she's not okay. So I, 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 in that moment, I thought there was, the, there was the instinct to say, okay, don't do that again. Just keep it in. And I said, no. There's strength to be able to say to somebody, I'm not okay, regardless of their response. Uh -huh. I'm being honest and authentic. It was somebody that I trusted, so I felt comfortable being able to say that. I didn't get the response that I would have expected, but I was okay in saying that, no, it wasn't a good week. It was really hard. And I've been trying to grow from that. I've been trying to be authentic and honest with those who I trust when they ask me, I'll say, do you want my politically correct answer or do you want my honest answer? <laughs> How many do you have? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I recognize not everyone can handle your honest answer. No. And I'm okay with that. I just need to be honest with myself and I need to be, and I have come to be okay with not always being strong. And I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with crying. I'm okay with showing emotion and being vulnerable and say, you know what, today, today I'm not She-Hulk. <laughs> I don't have it all. Today I just need to be, I need to just be me in myself, figuring this out and that's okay. So, so how, how do you take a break? Like it, do, do you crash violently or do you say okay now i'm gonna crash <laughs> but i'm gonna have this time for myself because yeah um many of our listeners are, are women uh uh that don't have the luxury of taking extended rest periods right 
uh, they can't give up. So what would you tell them? What words of wisdom do you have to somebody that is going through a similar experience that you are? So life is hard. I think we need to acknowledge that. And for me, I have found, I've been fortunate that from a time I was very young, I developed positive coping mechanisms to help deal with stress, deal with challenges. And one of those for me is exercising. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I, I decompress, I crash in the gym, you know, working out, um, letting, and I don't know if maybe that goes with the whole, actually, this is coming to you right now as we're speaking, Josue, I don't know if that is the whole, you're strong. I'm always seen as strong. And so I gelt and I pushed and I, I make myself weak from mm -hmm. my working out. And that's where I let it all out. I, I, I let, I pounded out on the machines and I, I, I've been known to be in the gym lately and I will cry. There's times where I'm hit with the emotion of what I'm dealing with and I will be crying while I'm working out. And I've just, I've let that be okay. Um, and so I, I say to people, especially women, look, we are, we are super women. We are super, like we are great. To be a woman is, is great, but we don't always have to be super women. We don't always have to take it all on, do it all, all the time for everyone. You can give yourself permission to, to take a break. Yes. And to take care of yourself, not just take a break. I want to take a break from work and go do this other task. <laughs> uh -huh. Take a break for self, to take yeah. care of ourselves. And I know it sounds you know, like cliche or people say it all the time, like, oh, like take care of yourself and then you're better for everyone else. You know what? It's true though. You take care of yourself. You figure out ways that you can decompress that You can carve out time for yourself. You are a better person. Mm -hmm. You are better emotionally, psychologically, physically, all of that. You're a better person. You know, people talk about that work-life balance. They talk about balancing things in your life. And I don't subscribe to that. I, I look at rhythms. I, I, I look at how do we develop different rhythms in our lives. So, cause if you're balancing things, something's always out of balance. Cause whoever has it all equally balanced, show me that person, please. Who's got to play? Whoever has that. You, something's always out of balance. But what if we instead looked at rhythms? Like we go through various rhythms where sometimes in this period, I may have to focus more on my children. I may have to focus more on work because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then another time, there's another rhythm where, you know what? There's something else I have to focus on, but it comes and goes. So you need to and listen to your body. Listen to your mind, your body, your, your spirit, mind. all of it. Yes. You know, and, and you develop rhythms and how things ebb and flow for them for that time in that season. And then that season may change and you get another rhythm. And that's how I choose to look at it. And that's, that's what I would encourage. I would encourage people like, yeah, life is hard. It is. No one can tell you otherwise. But how do we persevere and not give up through it? We find those rhythms. We, we, we focus on self-care often. Often. Yes. yes. 
not just when you have leftover time because that leftover time never comes. That's true. Yeah. And, and, and just don't ever give up. Don't ever, sometimes it's second by second. Sometimes it's minute by minute. Sometimes it's day by day, month by month, but whatever that benchmark is for you, just keep going and you don't give up. Nikki, is there anything that you like to share that you don't generally get a chance to? This is your opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I just did for sure that I know about our rhythms in our lives. Um, but I would also just say, give yourself permission to just, to make mistakes, to try things and fail, to, you know, to, to go through life in a way where you really recognize, like I said, we are super women. And sometimes we feel that we have to be super women, but recognize that we need community. We need each other. We don't have to do this alone. We talk about raising a child. It takes a village. I think just existing takes a village. We need the support of our community around us, trusted individuals that we can be vulnerable with, that we can open up to, that we can rely on and be there for them as well, because giving also nourishes our soul. And it's okay. It's okay to have community of support and not feel like you have to do it all and be that, you know, super woman. It's okay. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Thank you for the time that you spend as you're at work, you're picking a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to sit with me on Empathy Cafe's podcast. Um, I will send you the link later so you can share it with your friends. And uh, I think I'm a better person because of you. Uh, the example that you have given me uh, for all these years. So uh, it is. It is, it is very special to, to have had you here. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for your inspiration, Josue. Um, it does not go unnoticed. Thank you, Nicole. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. And thank you, fellow empaths, for watching us live and listening to our podcast. If you would like to, if you enjoyed what you just saw and, and heard, and want me to keep bringing real conversations with real people, you can support Empathy Cafe by going to www.empathy.cafe and tapping the donation button. And this was One on One Live with Nicole Foster. See you next week. Peace and love.